solemn greeting to you, fellow dorks, and a sincere thank you for joining us for this special episode of Dorkfest, the podcast. We are, sadly, gathering to pay tribute to perhaps our favorite collective actor, Sir Sean Connery. Born 90 years ago in Edinburgh, Scotland, Connery grew to become perhaps one of the most iconic actors of the 20th century. And for us here on Dorkfest, the podcast, the archetype for all action heroes who came before or since. Connery's legendary status was bolstered in his later years by portrayals of Jimmy Malone, Marco Ramius, and Dr. Henry Jones, but his fate as a cinematic icon was sealed when he was cast as secret agent 007 James Bond in 1962's Dr. No. Connery's elegance, determination, and legendary wit enthralled viewers as he reprised the role six times and was subsequently emblazoned on the hearts and minds of moviegoers all over the world. Sir Sean passed peacefully in his sleep over the weekend, and we here on Dorkfest, the podcast, would like to add our sentiments to the tributes and remembrances which have poured in from all corners of the earth, which Connery entertained for decades. Now, dorks, I will pass the shoe as we attempt to convey some of what it was that we loved about Sir Sean Connery. So, Josh, as, as you said, you know, there are so many great portrayals that Connery provided for us. But for us, and I think for many, the conversation begins and ends with 007, with his portrayal of James Bond. And just to, you know, talk briefly about some of the things that I love about Sean Connery, Specifically, what I love about him as 007, he's just so cool. It's just such a cool portrayal of a character. And and in past ep- in past episodes of this podcast, you know, we we talked about some of the problematic uh, elements of that character of James Bond. And you know, those were not Sean Connery was not exempt in terms of those elements when thinking about sean connery you think about james bond when i was you know preparing briefly for this and just jotting down some notes i wasn't surprised by the fact that i actually wrote james bond podcast instead of sean connery podcast at first because the the two terms the two names are just so synonymously linked um for me but also along with that too i think i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about the the nostalgic aspect of thinking about Sean Connery. How many times the four of us watched a a portrayal of his, how many times um, we witnessed a portrayal of his along with our parents. So those are just some of the things that come to mind as I start to think about um, all the things that Sean Connery provided for us up until his unfortunate passing. I'm glad you used that word, Jordan, uh, nostalgia, because as we've talked about in previous episodes, a lot of this podcast for us, a lot of the genesis of this podcast is the nostalgia that we share with many of these various dorky franchises, one of which is certainly James Bond. And I don't think that nostalgia is possible. And I sure as heck don't think it lasts 50 years, the James Bond franchise I'm talking about now, without the success and the iconic portrayal of Bond 007 by Sean Connery. And I think it extends beyond just James Bond to some of the other movies, Hunt for Red October, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I think 
he was such a varied actor. He could portray serious. He also did funny really, really well. But I think more than anything, he just came across as a very genuine kind of actor. Whatever role he needed to be in, he embraced it. He lived it, was relatable. And the accent. Is there an actor who has had their voice copied, mimicked, more than Sean Connery. Probably not. on this not. podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, by us, by actors, by comedians, you name it. I mean, the guy is legendary just for his delivery and the way that he sounded. But that only happens if there is some, some depth and something on the resume to support that. And certainly, uh, Sean had that. He delivered it in spades. I mean, movies for 30, 40, 50 years that we're going to be watching for our entire lifetime. And so will many others. And so, yeah, I, I think it, you know, the nostalgia certainly rings true for me a whole lot when I think about Bond and 007 and the six movies or seven movies there. And then, you know, even, even, you know, more beyond that with Hunt and, and Last Crusade. And when you go beyond that even a little bit, you've got classics like The Man Who Would Be King, which, you know, in, in John Huston's hands turns into, you know, a great savaging of the colonialist mindset, but it's a great romp with Sean Connery and Michael Caine, um, you know, just playing buddies as they were in real life. But it, it's a good point you make, Dan, about Connery's authenticity. Um, he is a, he's a very honest performer. And yeah, whatever the moment demands of him, he, he does it. And that, that's something we've championed or we, we uh, talked up a lot in the Indiana Jones podcast is how much, you know, the full range of human stuff that he got to do as Henry Jones in particular, which I think for most of us, that's probably his, our favorite role of his. Um, uh, it's worth, you know, we'll talk it up too. And I'll, as uh, Dan once did for me, I'll tee this one up and let Josh bomb a 300 yarder down the middle of the fairway with Hunt for Red October. Um, it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the, I think, seminal Connery roles for us. I mean, the, I, I have like three lines in my head I'm trying to think of doing a bit of right now. But uh, again, I'll just leave it to Josh. Because the movie itself is that quotable and it's great. And Connery is such a central part of it. It's not the same movie without Connery as Marco Ramius. Implausible though it is to have that much a Scotsman playing a Lithuanian uh, sub-captain. Give me a ping, Gabe. One ping only, please. The the authenticity gate point, Gabe, I think is a tremendous one. There was um, something I was reading over the weekend um, on on the Ringer where they were talking about the the ease that Connery had in in all of his roles, and I think that was a, a consequence of that authenticity. He was, as you said, he was just himself, whether he was playing Henry Jones or Marco Ramius everybody knew like it's Sean Connery that you're watching play a role and you know it's it's different than watching Daniel Day-Lewis disappear into Abraham Lincoln or um, Hawkeye or Bill the Butcher uh, you know it's it and so you know he, he's not gonna get the, the acting acclaim that 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 somebody like Day-Lewis or like a Judy Dench or like a Helen Mirren might uh, but gosh, he's just so fun to watch. And, and w one of the funny things they said in this article was that that ease with which he portrayed his acting seemed to carry over in his life. And, you know, even in his passing, 
dies peacefully in his sleep at the age of 90 in the Bahamas. Is there any more Sean Connery a way to go out than that? That too is an incredible point. I hadn't even thought of it framed that way, but yeah, that's, um, that's as breezy a way as anybody can go, really. It is, I mean, he was, and it's, it's kind of, maybe it's been an overused term for a while now, but he was a true movie star. Um, I mean, in his own time and in his own right, uh, pretty much from the first time he started off as James Bond. And, and he found a way to, I mean, there's definitely a record of him having some discomfort over the identification with the role. But, you know, as say with Leonard Nimoy and Spock, I think everybody finds a way to to embrace that. And um, I mean, you know, and it's a star with the, in capital, you know, Hollywood sized letters for Diamonds Are Forever to bring him back. It's my understanding that he was paid a million dollars, which I think was the highest sum ever paid to an actor in a movie to date at that point. Sean Connery is the first guy to, to do that. Um, you know, he gets an Oscar for what kind of becomes maybe his most recognizable career phase that, you know, the wise mentor role. Uh, he gets an Oscar for Jimmy Malone and the Untouchables, um, which uh, he is far and away the best part of, of, of that movie. Gabe, you mentioned the money that he got for Diamonds Are Forever in a few podcasts back we were spitballing about how in the world could possibly Connery come back for uh the what is certain to be doomed Indiana Jones 5 is there any sum of money that we would have thought would be exorbitant or too much for two minutes of Sean Connery on film like if you had heard that he had gotten paid a hundred million dollars for one day's work would it really have surprised you that much Oh, not in the slightest. I mean, if that's his day rate, you know, that's fine. That seems reasonable to me. It's Sean Connery. He's got to schlep his butt out from the Bahamas. They're probably going to have to film it in Scotland. You know, just to, you know, that's probably a rider. He's going to miss at least two tea times. Yeah. No, it's, it's you, you pay what you need to if you need Sean. But that's also the value, you know, you bring to it. It's why that, you know, and there's stuff. There, we could be talking about Sean Connery and even more stuff, you know, toward the end of his career. Uh, you know, he kind of goes out on a high note in a sense with some, uh, you know, later latter day stuff like The Rock or uh, Finding Forrester was always a, a personal favorite. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, not so much. But, uh, you know, during this time, he takes that movie because he's offered stuff like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. And while I have zero uh, problem, obviously, with how it turned out, Ian McKellen turns in, you know, the, a performance of my lifetime, certainly, that I get, get to watch. Um, Sean Connery in that role, you're not getting Gandalf, you're getting Sean Connery in your Lord of the Rings movie. And that has its own value, as people have recognized. You know, although how much fun would it have been to have heard, you shall not pass. Gabe, you brought up um, briefly, you brought up uh, Connery playing sort of the mentorship role with Jimmy Malone. Um, and, I, and I did want to talk a little bit about that because I think it speaks to something that we've been talking about a little bit already in terms of the varied roles that Connery played. Um, I see a little bit of that mentorship role, obviously in Henry Jones as well, but then also to a certain extent with Marco Ramius. Um, and, and I think that, you know, what you kind of saw there, and I think it's part of what allows Connery to kind of live through, I, the wording that's coming to mind right now for me is that you have different phases of Connery. You have the, the James Bond phase, which is more the young, suave Connery, but then you have this more mentor, paternal um, Connery as he gets older. And 
we as viewers, we get the benefit of experiencing all of those different conneries. And in that sense, I think that's part of what, you know, makes him such a fixture in our lives as dorks that, that we, that we get these, like, we get these varied versions of Connery that we get to see throughout our lifetime and and we see him put himself into those different roles but as we've mentioned several times we always recognize him as Connery it's 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 never seeing the character and then the person I think we're always seeing we always saw Connery and then we saw the character that he was portraying after that and I think that's totally true. You guys have made the, the very, I think, valid point that it's in any role, it's Sean Connery as this particular character. But at the end of the day, there are just so many movies that Sean Connery is in that I like. And I don't, is that a byproduct of these movies with good casting, finding good fits for Sean? Or is it that he is just kind of an infectious star on the screen and when he's up there i'm going to enjoy it whether it's a james bond movie or indiana jones or hunt for Red october or finding forrester or the untouchables or the rock and you know so on and so on and so forth um so yeah i think at the end of the day he just made a lot of maybe not academy award worthy movies but like a lot of just good solid movies and did so for north of 50 years and there aren't a lot of people that can say that and he was yes the young suave up-and-coming star and was able to you know go through an acting transition and even a physical transition i remember being a little kid and not understanding that the sean connery that we see in uh indiana jones last crusade that's the same guy that's in goldfinger because he goes through kind of this physical transformation but he always does sound like sean and that does remind me a little story involving this group gabe mentioned finding forrester as one of his favorite flicks did we not secure it was either the movie poster of Finding Forrester or like a giant cardboard cutout of Sean's head from the movie poster of Finding Forrester, which, at, which I'm, at a pre I'm, I'm almost positive that it was the cardboard head. Yeah. So which at a previous gathering was passed around the room and everybody was doing their own Sean Connery impression with, with the giant basically fathead of John Connery, but it's, it's that kind of fun, nostalgic memories that we all get as a result of, of his excellent and fun portrayals. A few other, uh, perhaps lesser known, uh, Sean flicks, the Molly Maguire's is, is a really fun performance. The wind and the lion, uh, Robin and Marion, the name of the rose. Um, th th these are, in sort you know in the post bond or maybe maybe pre never say never again but certainly the post bond era but before the rock and the league of extraordinary gentlemen where he's um playing a bit more of outlandish roles um he's such a cool fun guy i i i'm it's you know it's it's not it's not um you know, the dude was 90 years old. He's been in a million things and, and it's been a while since he's acted. We've all, I certainly had resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to see him in anything new. Um, and it's still just sad a little bit now um, that, that, that we've heard officially of his passing, that we're not going to get any new material, but at least we have all this old great stuff. 
Yeah, we've brought up the word fun a couple of times. And Dan, you know, you you mentioned that great story, which I had I had I had forgot I had totally forgotten about the cardboard head. But you know, you talked about how we were having fun in that moment. But I think that's also because in all of these performances that Sean provided for us and for so many others, you could see that he was having fun in them too. And I think that is part of where that infectious nature comes from is that he was just constantly enjoying himself to such a great extent that it was impossible not to love him. I just want to follow up on um, Josh's shout outs to some of his other, um, some of the other installments in his filmography, because it's, it's notable. I mean, we uh, thank you for the Molly Maguire's first off. I always thought that was fun. Uh, Zardoz is a great out there flick that he does. Then you do, and then you turn around and he does murder on the Orient Express, the original one, which is a great ensemble cast, which he does seem to do well at. Cause you look also too, it's stuff like a bridge too far, which, you know, itself boasts a tremendous cast, but they're all spread out among 20 different timelines. Um, Outland is a neat um, sort of high noon in space time bandits. That's another Fun one. Um, Great train yeah, robbery. Yeah, yeah. He does legal dramas. He does, you know, thrillers. He does all kinds of, and you know, they're not all great picks. The Avengers is in there. The uh, before the Avengers twenty twelve. Not, not there, that one. There was yeah. <laughs> there was there was the British Avengers and Sean Connery dressed like a teddy bear. But you know, for every one of those, you get an entrapment in the latter day, which is another really entertaining um, heist flick. Uh, you know, he is interesting. You, you say that, um, and, and I would agree that he maybe isn't doing all the time Academy Award style movies. He's got a couple of them on there. And certainly at least one of them was an Academy Award winner since he won one for it. But um, just to tie it back once again to that best role of his as Henry Jones, Sean Connery is kind of a, a Harrison Ford, isn't he? You know, I mean, these are guys who we see we, we see the actors' personalities in the roles. Well, Harrison Ford is somebody who boasts a couple of our, you know, he has a Han Solo and an Indiana Jones. Um, it's still just Harrison Ford, and it is still just Sean Connery. But as with somebody like, you know, John Wayne or something like that, you're not going to criticize these people for the way they're approaching these roles. It's why you go see them in these roles, because they're still approaching it with an, an essential humanity, again, that authenticity that um, I think is what keeps us, you know, coming back the question of, you know, what comes first, the movies that we like that Sean Connery happens to be in or Sean Connery's in movies. And that's why we like them. I don't think even we are prepared to answer that question fully. I, I don't think the science yet exists. We'll have to just keep doing our dorky theorizing and uh, do a lot of data gathering to get that answer. Well, if we can't answer it, then that means it's simply an unanswerable question. So, I mean, this is the last thing I'm going to say here on, on Sean. I'm surprised a few of these movies haven't come up. Um, a surprise guest appearance from Sean at the end of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is uh, King Richard. He, he is King Arthur in First Night, which is, I mean, it's not a good movie, but a rainy Sunday, if it's on TV, yeah, probably give that one a watch. Uh, he, he's the voice of the dragon in Dragonheart. Um, and then I'm surprised, can't believe nobody mentioned Darby O'Gill and the Little People, his, the movie right before um, Dr. No. And if no one's ever seen it, there's a couple, there's one uh, like bar brawl scene at the end of Darby O'Gill and the Little People that knowing what we know comes after that for 
Connery really makes that scene feel like his James Bond audition um, because it's that fighting style. And, and Sean, up until that point, has only basically worked in the fields and sung some Irish ditties. And that's really about all he's done until he's able to, you know, get in the bar and go brawling. So that, I don't know, just kind of a, a zany little reference. The last thing I will say on, on my piece on Sean, I will end with a joke. What time? Does Sean Connery arrive at Wimbledon? About tennis. Tennis is correct. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Dan, I think uh, Sean in real life practiced some of those bar brawls uh, in in his native Edinburgh prior to any of his film career. He was a uh, not afraid to to throw down. Thank you so much, dorks, for those. Thoughts, tales, and tributes. Connery's passing is not positively shocking, as we all knew this world was not big enough for such as he. Connery's bond was always a man who knew what to say, so I hope our comments have been similarly appropriate. Thank you again for joining us, and please tune in next time when Dorkfest the Podcast returns. Here endeth the lesson. <laughs>